Would you turn to Matthew 6 this evening? You going to believe with me for the rest of the evening and, and for utterance? I would appreciate it. Matthew 6. The Lord helped us last night, didn't he? I'm telling you. From my perspective, <laughs> I know I a uh, big portion of that, I was, uh, my head was trying to keep up with it. Amen. Coming right out of my spirit. And that's the best way for ministers to minister, right? Beyond your knowledge. When you're really ministering by the anointing, you're learning while you're speaking. Man, I like that. Out beyond yourself. And that's what it should be. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, this is the week of increase. Is that true? Bigger and better. Every way. Increase. 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 Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and about verse 31 we've read repeatedly this week. What did he say? Hmm? That's right. Don't worry. Take no thought, no anxious thought. That doesn't mean that you can't make any preparations or plans. He's talking about worrying thoughts, careful thoughts, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Don't be full of care about that. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows. He knows. Somebody say, he knows. He knows. That you have need of all these things. He already knew you were going to need it before you knew you were going to need it. And he is the God who sees ahead. Provision. And provides the supply before you ever knew you had a need. Glory to God. Somebody say, he knows. He knows. knows. Now, the enemy tried to get you to fret because you don't know where it's going to come from. But tell me again, who knows? He knows. He He sees it right now. I need some money. God sees where your money is right now. He sees it. He knows exactly how it can get to you. Right? He already knows. If he knows, you don't have to know. He knows how your body can be fixed. How your heart can work like it's supposed to. Or your lung. Or your liver. Your kidneys. Your blood pressure. He knows exactly how to fix it. He knows how. The doctor may not know how. But he knows. Your people say, well, nobody knows. Yeah, somebody knows. He knows. He knows. And if he knows, you don't have to know. Amen. All you got to do is believe. And be confident that he knows. Say it again, he knows. he knows. He told us two things don't do. Don't be full of care about it. Don't worry about it. And secondly, don't seek after the things. But, verse 33, but, here's what we seek after. But seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Read that out loud with me, please. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these 
shall be added unto you. You won't have to seek after them. You won't have to run after them. You won't have to try to pull on other people and beg and try to scheme and try to figure it out. While you are seeking first the kingdom of God. Yeah. He already knew where they were and how to make it work for you. And he will add them to you. Would that be increase? God is adding things to you. Would that be increase? Glory to God. And when is it going to happen? While you are seeking first. Not just while you're pacing back and forth across the floor saying, thank you, Lord, for my new car. Thank you, Lord, for my new car. Thank you, Lord, for my new car. My new car. Thank you, Lord, for my new car. Thank you, Lord, for my new car. If that's all you think about all day and all night, that's not good. Hmm? You're spending most of your time and energy trying to believe for your stuff. Then you're seeking first your kingdom. And people have gotten off, so-called word and faith people have gotten off in these areas. I had the privilege of working in healing school at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry for a number of years. And a ploy of the enemy I saw again and again, it's something that he intends to do through sickness, is to get you to focus on yourself. And people think if you're sick, then you are excused from being selfish. Hmm? Well, I'm sick. What do you expect? <laughs> I mean, I'm hurting. What do you, you think I'm not going to be thinking about myself? I'm hurting. It's not okay Amen. to violate the love command because you have symptoms. I just don't buy it. Now, I've seen people just as mean as could be and ill and short and snap at people and flip trays over and hit people and try to think it's all excuse because they're sick and because they're hurting. I've seen people in worse shape, worse pain, be nice. I've seen it. You do not have to be ill and mean because you don't feel good. It's just an excuse to yield to the flesh. Did you hear me now? Don't you believe it? I've seen people, I knew they were in so much pain, they could hardly even see straight. I saw water, you know, running out of their eyes. They're in intense pain. And the doctor said, I don't know how they even talk to you. And they, you know what they wanted to know when I came in? They wiped their tears and they said, what's going on with you? This is honorable, isn't it? This is a real man or a real woman. Anybody can be selfish. And people who are inclined that way, they'll use any excuse. And they'll milk it for all it's worth. Won't they? Selah. (laughs) Seek ye first. What? Not your stuff. I mean, what happened to Job? Was Job in a bad shape physically? Oh, man. And what happened... When he prayed for his friends, when he prayed for his friends, when he prayed for his friends, God turned his captivity. We got to get our eyes above ourselves and realize there's a lot of other people around here besides us. Hmm? We live in a selfish, self-centered generation. 
and world. Oh, man, people will run over you and not even realize it. People are, are you know, have no patience and are so short-tempered. Why? Because they got somewhere to go and they got somewhere to be. And as far as they're concerned, that's the only thing that matters. Hmm? They're not aware that all the other people out here on the road are going somewhere too. That everybody else in line wants their groceries too. It'd be a real revelation for many on the planet that they are not alone on the earth. It really would. It'd be, it'd be a, a revelation and awareness. There are other people and that their lives matter too. And that they have appointments and time frames too. And that they want to eat too. And they want to get home too. Love prefers its brother, doesn't it? Love says, you go ahead. I'll wait. Let's just try that out loud. <laughs> Let's just try it. See how it sounds. You go ahead. I'll wait. <laughs> Let me try it over here on this side. Here. <laughs> try it out. I say, you go ahead. I'll wait. How'd that feel? <laughs> I'm seeing some looks across the crowd. It's like, <laughs> let's do it again. I mean, with uh, with emphasis this time, with with feeling. Let me feel you on this. What do you say? No, no, you go ahead. You, you go ahead. I'll wait. Huh? Does the Bible teach us to prefer? To prefer our brothers and sisters? Well, how does that? You know, it's not just a verse. It's supposed to be something we do. Something we act on. Let me hear on this side. Huh? No, no, you go ahead. What? I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> what if everybody on the highway, everybody on the highway thought that way, felt everybody in every department store and grocery store, and everybody at church. I have seen some stuff in church foyers and meetings where there wasn't enough seats or where there people are wanting, you know, the best in the front seats. I've seen people beat each other with their umbrellas. I've seen it. I've seen people fall while everybody was running to get to the front seats and nobody stopped and helped them up. They run over them. This, now these people are running for what? They're running to get to church. To hear about love. <laughs> right? <laughs> and God. And, <laughs> and beating people with their umbrella to get up there so they can say amen about love. <laughs> this is confusion and deception, isn't it? <laughs> Help, Lord. Ha. Seek what? Seek 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if you'll do that, does it have anything to do with increase? This is the week of increase. Does this have anything to do? I believe it is the master key to God's increase. I believe it is. Now, you don't often hear me use all-inclusive words. I'll say a and one of. I said tonight, the. I believe this is the master key to God's increase in our life. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God? We talked about this. The kingdom of God is the realm over which God rules. All the people that God rules. One definition is where the will of the realm or territory area where the will of God is fulfilled, where his will is being fulfilled. Everybody born again is in the kingdom. He said, don't look out here and out there and say, well, there's the kingdom. He said, the kingdom is within you. We are the kingdom. We're in the kingdom. The kingdom's in us. And so seeking first the kingdom is seeking first the advancement of the gospel and the building of the church and the welfare and condition of everybody that's in the church. But how many understand that is not seeking first your kingdom, your stuff? And I mentioned that the Lord took me to this when he began to teach me seriously about prosperity. And he said, you know this, but you're not doing this. And he said, and many of my people know this, but they're not doing it. Just concerning your finances. When you get paid, what's the first thing you think about? Well, people think about their house payment and their car payment and their bills and their groceries and I got to get gas and I got to pay this and that. Well, if you do that, you have already violated the first principle of prosperity. And wouldn't you think that millions of Christians are violating the first principle of prosperity? They agree with it in church, but they don't practice it. They don't do it. All we got to do is get your checkbook out and see what checks you wrote first and where and how much of your time and your thought and your resources goes to what. And most people, first and most of their resources goes to them. Some say, well, no, not me, my kids. Same thing. <laughs> not me, it's my kids. I'm not selfish. I put my kids first. Whose kids? Selfish. It's your kids. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not selfish, Brother Keith. I put my kids, my family. Whose family? Selfish. Well, Brother Keith, I don't care what you say. My family comes first. Then God is not. Simple. My family comes first. Well, then God is not. I got to take care of my family first, then you're not seeking first the kingdom of God. Hmm? And I know people get huffy about this. I know. I've had people tell me to my face. They've been here for some length of time and then tell me, well, now I just don't agree with you on that. My family comes first. If your family comes first, where's God? Can't be first. I mean, Jesus was very specific. You think, you know, you've heard me say a strong thing or two about it. Have you heard what he said? Huh? He said, if you're going to come and follow me, and you don't hate mother, father, sister, brother, 
What does that mean? It means by, it's not that you hate your folks, but anything that would try to put itself ahead of God, you despise it. And you are not having it. And I'm telling you, everybody that knows me, and I think all of us should be this way now, my wife, my staff, my family, my friends, don't ask me to choose between you and God. I won't even have to pray about it. Well, it's either me or God. God. Bye. Sorry, but right? Hmm? What should come first in our money and our finances? God, the things of God, the kingdom of God, our time, our abilities. First. First. What should have first priority on all of our stuff and our resources and our time? God. God's things. Hmm? What if we need a vehicle and the kingdom needs a vehicle? Get the kingdom vehicle first. Doesn't mean you can't have one, but get the kingdom vehicle first. Huh? My house needs carpet. Church needs carpet. I'm not losing you now, am I? Is this just my thinking? Or did we read in Haggai? Did we read in Haggai? Where the people said, it's not time to build the Lord's house. He said, well, is it time for you to dwell in your nice house? He said, consider your ways. You work and you never have enough. You get paid and it's like you put it in a bag with a hole in it. It's gone before you know what's going on. How many Christians that describes their life, their financial life? They never have enough. As soon as they get paid, it's gone. They wonder where it went. Why? They are not seeking first the kingdom of God. Not doing it. Not doing it. No. It takes mind renewal. Don't assume you're doing it. I'm talking about me and you in here tonight. Do not assume you're doing this. Or even if you're doing it some, don't assume you're doing it fully. Or to the extent that you could. Are you willing to be taught? Are you willing to make some adjustments and some changes? What comes first? Kingdom of God. First. Not me. Not my kids. Not my family. Not my stuff. Not my business. Church needs carpet. Your house needs carpet. Get the church carpet first. <laughs> well, I would move quicker if I felt like we were making that kind of progress. <laughs> I mean, I'm wanting to be three chapters down from where I am right now. But, you know, we can't go unless everybody's ready. And, you know, if somebody is choking, you don't just keep feeding them. They go, <coughs> you don't just keep shoveling it down in there. They'll choke. Huh? You want to pay your house off. And the church needs paying off. But see, how many think, well, now, as soon as I get my stuff in good shape, as soon as I get my kids' college money, as soon as we get our stuff caught up, I'm going to get serious and do something for the church. Not going to happen. Your stuff's not going to get in good shape. You're violating the first principle of prosperity. What about those folk come in, sold that $8, and had a hundredfold before they left that day? You'd have a hard time talking them out of a hundredfold, now, wouldn't you? Well, what if they hadn't sown that? Well, if they'd have said, well, I've got to have food for my kids. I can't sow this $8. Nobody, we didn't ask them to sow that $8. Does it sound scriptural, though? 
Remember the man of God? Lord sent him to the widow during famine. And uh, he said, you know, could you get me a drink of water? People are starving to death in the streets. She said, yeah, yeah. He said, you know, would you bring me a little cake too? That's like asking for gold, man, in the middle of a famine. She said, uh, man of God, I got a little handful of meal, a little dab of oil. I got a baby at home, my child, and I, I was going to make this little cake and a couple little cakes. I guess we're just going to eat it and die. It's all we got. What did he say? <laughs> make me a cake first. Now, man, what if... The TV shows and newspapers have gotten a hold of that today. Preacher takes food out of starving child's mouth. Oh, man, that would have been on every show, right? Oh, he's scum of the earth. But this is, I mean, there are people, don't you misunderstand, there are people that have abused these principles and just, you know, lied and stole and are a reproach to the ministry. But this is a real man of God. He, he's not doing this to take food out of their mouth. He's doing this because the Lord told him to tell them this. Do you believe that or not? It's in the Bible. Go make me a cake first. And you know why she's in the Bible? <laughs> she had enough faith to do that. She went and did it, and he told her. He said, all right. He said, you know, your meal barrel's not going to fail, and your oil cruise is not going to fail. And they ate through the whole family. Yes. Glory to God. Were they increased? Yes. She needed to put God's things first. So God would have a legal right to take care of her. She was willing to have enough faith to do it. These people willing to sow their $8. You see, Phyllis and I have done that again and again and again. And God just keeps blessing. Seek what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, if you would go with me to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10, 24. What does it say? 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Let no man do what? What did the Lord tell us to seek? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What are you not to seek? You believe that? Should we practice this? How many people do you think are seeking their own? Let no man seek his own, but what? Every man another's wealth. Is this Bible? New Living Translation says, Don't think only of your own good. Think of other Christians and what is best for them. The Amplified says, Let no one seek his own good and advantage and profit, but rather each one of the other. Let him seek the welfare of his neighbor. Then should we be concerned that somebody might get some money that somebody would otherwise put in our offering? Hmm? 
I'm telling you, we like to dress up and come and sit and say amen in church, but I'm telling you, behind the scenes, believers and believers and pastors and churches and ministries, people are scared that somebody else is going to get some of our people. Hmm? Somebody is going to get some of our offerings. Oh, I don't want them to go over there. They may like it better than us. And they may just stay or they may send some of their money over there. They may send some of their money over there. And that's my money. <laughs> now I'm going this way where you want me to or not. All right. Huh? This is serious stuff. The Lord dealt with me, you know, I'm praying about this meeting. He said, there are two major restrictions and limitations to the people's increase. He told me, you, it came, us, here, people watching. This is the first one. People seeking their own instead of seeking the kingdom. This is it. And people are pastors get concerned if people shout too much when the associate preaches. Song leaders get concerned when substitute song leader sings and everybody seems to shout a little louder. Hmm? And don't you even think about coming to my church and presenting your project. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. (laughs) And you want to see some feathers get ruffled, just bring up the T word. Tithe. Oh, oh. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. (laughs) Somebody says, well, the tithe belongs to me. Where's that scripture at? Where is that verse? Where is it at? Where's the verse? The Bible said the tithe is the Lord's. That's what it says. Now, people have rewritten that and all kind of versions. Hmm? Ah, It's getting a little chilly in here. (laughs) Try not to focus on that. But just look at this. Is is this true? Should we practice this? Don't seek your own, own, but what? Other people's advancement. Is this the key to our own increase? But people haven't believed it. They haven't practiced it. People thought, well, no, no, no. I'm not talking about my increase. It's the church. Yeah, whose church? Your church. I'm going to put myself first. I'll put the church. Whose church? Your church. Your church is not the kingdom. Two billion believers on the planet. Four and a half million churches. You're one of them, but you're a small. All the churches you know put together would be what percentage of that? Every church that you and I know about put together tonight would be what percentage of that minute now thank god we're apart but we've got to shake out of this thing that we think we are the kingdom 
The kingdom's big. I said the kingdom's big. The kingdom's big. And we got to get out of these prejudices. You have people to go in and just run over people of other denominations. Why? Well, there's no other word church in this area. And there's nine other churches right there. Well, there are no other word churches. I thought I saw that pastor toting the Bible in there Sunday. (laughs) There's not a word church in the area. Oh, really? Really? Wonder what the Lord would say about that. I assure you, when the Lord looks at the kingdom of God, he does not see word category and everybody else. Well, it's not a faith church in the area. Oh, really? Really? Got 100,000 people believing they're saved by faith. (laughs) In a two-block area. And you won't even acknowledge that they have any faith. I'm telling you, there is some bias. And there is some holier-than-thou stuff in our camps and I tell you I believe it is a stench in the Lord's nose and it has been restricting and choking our increase because God would bring thousands and thousands of these people into our churches and ministries and into our fellowship if they wasn't in our church But people in our circle have been making fun of them. Use their denomination name to make jokes from the pulpit. And it's keeping people away and it's running people off. Now we don't have to compromise the word. But if somebody's offended and somebody doesn't feel comfortable around you. Or doesn't feel comfortable coming to your place or your meetings. You need to make sure. It is because of the word and not because of your ignorance. Your prejudice. And again and again, if you'll be honest, you'll see it wasn't the word that ran them off. It was your ignorance. Hallelujah. Philippians 2, would you go there? I'm hungry. I'm hungry to get rid of anything and everything that hinders and holds back. I want to be a man that can be used in more than a little bitty circle like this. Huh? How about you? I want to be a man that God could use with wealthy people and people living on the street. People of any culture and any background. I want to be somebody that's got enough sense to not go in and say something dumb and turn everybody off for no reason. And come in with this ignorant superiority. Thinking all of my stuff is God. And it's not. It's just me. It's just my ways. And in order to be like that, you've got to be willing to be taught. To be corrected. Yes, and you got to be willing to break out of your little fishbowl. Yes. 
and rub shoulders with people that you hadn't before? And be around people you hadn't been around before? And see some new things? And see people do it some different ways? And be okay with that? (laughs) I know uh, from the beginning of our ministry, the Lord allowed us to go to some different circles. Not just so-called word and faith. I mean, we're in a place and it was very staid. In fact, they had committees for the committees. And they had a committee that was going to discuss what I was going to preach before I got there. And then they're going to discuss right before the service. Then they want another committee to discuss what I preached after I preached it. Very staid, big, huge cathedral, stained glass windows. And after I spoke there, the pastor told me that I was the first speaker they had had outside their denomination in 50 years. No amens, no raising of hands, very staid. Pastor said at one place, he said, it was very warm, very, it was hot, I was sweating. And, and he said, gentlemen, uh, now would be the appropriate times if you'd like to remove your jackets. In other words, don't do it later. But And so we did. And uh, the Lord dealt with me to have a healing line. Now don't do this unless the Lord tells you to. But And a line for people to get filled with the Spirit. Don't do that unless the Lord tells you to. And people got healed and filled with the Spirit down front. And the next morning after we spoke, I'm standing on these big steps with the pastor. The people are filing out. And it was so precious. The people come. lady came up and she shook my hand and she leaned in. She said, I was healed last night. <laughs> I thought, glory to God. <laughs> Happened several times. They'd like, lean in and go, I got filled with the Spirit last night. <laughs> now, You don't have an opportunity if you make everybody mad up front making fun of their traditions. Huh? Or their groups are talking about how unspiritual they are. And I got back after that and I told Phyllis, we stood up in our little kitchen. I said, uh, because some people had said a few things to me here and there. One person stopped and said, why? I heard you were up at so-and-so church. And I said, yeah. They said, Why were you there? Why did you go there? Man, do you know they do this and they don't do that and they don't believe in this? Well, did it ever occur to them that might be one reason he sent me there? To help? (laughs) But people have this exclusiveness. Oh, they're not. Are they faith? Are they faith? Well... (laughs) Who's defining what faith is? Have you asked God about this? If he's accepted them that they have faith to be born again, I think you better accept it too. That they have some faith and show some respect for it. And I told Phyllis, I said, let's stand up right here tonight in our little home and kitchen. I said, we're going to make a commitment. God is allowing us to go into other groups and other denominations and other places and had a few people here and there say, well, no, if you go to them now, I don't know if I want you coming to me. And if you're going to be a part of them, you can't be a part of us. And, and I said, uh-uh, nope, nope, nope. I refuse to. We are not, not now, not in the future ever, going to choose one group over another. We're not going to do it. 
I say we're not going to do it. Don't have to. If God accepts them, we accept them. Right? I can have more than one friend. (laughs) How about you? I can have more than one friend. Well, do you like them better than you like us? (laughs) You need to get saved. people don't say it they feel that way and they want to know well now where where is really your alliances and really uh, I'll tell you where my alliances are (laughs) with the kingdom of God and it's big I said it's big it's bigger than the Baptist it's bigger than the assembly of God it's bigger than the Catholic it's bigger than Rhema it's bigger than all the faith and word it's big it's big my brother and sister it's big it's big and we don't want to be cutting people off and offending them because of our ignorant bias it's not our job to westernize everybody it's not our job to faithize, <laughs> prosperitize. <laughs> huh? No, it's not. It's not. It's our job to love everybody. Love everybody. Are, are you getting this in your spirit at all? To, you can love people and not agree with everything. You can love people and have good fellowship with them and have fun with them and good services with them and substantially disagree with some of their teachings. Would God we'd believe that? (laughs) I do. I believe it. And I got lots of friends. And I'm liking it and just getting more all the time. There's people over here and people over here. And we love them and they love us. And, and through it, there's come an increase. 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 Can you see this? Our increase is tied to this. You want to be selective and have your little group? Then who's God using? To help you. You want to let everybody know. The project God has put on your heart. But only 30 very special people close to you that you even fellowship with. How about, (laughs) how about you got friends and family all over the planet. All over the planet. Let's do a little bit of simple math. Two billion of us. Hmm? Half, just half of us. Half of us. So a hundred dollars to a project. Half of us. That's a hundred billion dollars. Can you see why the devil is working night and day to keep us apart and divide us into our little groups? And Because he's scared of us. I'm telling you. I began teaching something on the church a couple of weeks ago. And all this is coming together. It's so strong in my spirit. But I saw this. Our text is 
The Lord Jesus said on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And in talking about that, I saw it in my spirit. The Lord let me see this. The devil, he's a fear sower. He lives in fear. And I saw this when he thinks about all of us getting together. And putting our faith together and our resources together, he has panic attacks. <laughs> Waves of terror just cripple him and paralyze him when he thinks about all of us. Could you imagine? Four and a half million churches. What if a half million churches got together on anything? But People have built walls, haven't they? You got this group over here, and you got that group. This group don't fellowship with that group, and that. Oh, we love each other by faith from afar. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Oh, we love them. Yeah, yeah. But of course, they don't know anything. And despising. Hmm. Say not me. Not me. 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 I can have more than one friend. friend. Now friend there's more going on than me just preaching at you this evening. I'm telling you God has a plan for your life. He's got people he wants to hook you up with. But they ain't of your persuasion. Huh? They from a different background. They may be a different culture. Did you hear me? Completely different training in the word. Huh? Different history. But God wants you together with them. And you got to be open minded. I know as we begin to act on this and go to different places and God would take us different places. I'd get to some places and they'd do something way different than the way we did it. And I'd be, I'd be a little uncomfortable. I'd think, hmm, now that ain't how we do it. <laughs> that ain't. How we do it. This is just how they do it. And the Lord said to me. He said. What do you think that is? That's just how you do it. I thought. No. That's the Holy Ghost. He said. Ah. Sorry. That's just you. That's your ways. And I begin to see. Dear me. A lot of stuff I thought was the Holy Ghost. It's just us. That's just the way we do it. And God is just accommodating. He's very accommodating. He is amazingly accommodating. And I learned if I'd just be quiet, and not only be quiet, but have a right attitude in myself. And just be open. And go, well, that's different. (laughs) Yeah, that's really different. But (laughs) praise the Lord. (laughs) Looks like they love the Lord. And then... God had moved. And I think, now that's the Holy Ghost. I recognize him. (laughs) And he moves in the middle of that. He said, I'll move in the middle of your stuff. (laughs) And I'm getting an education. (laughs) Oh. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead a little bit and mention the second thing that the Lord said to me. And we'll see how we have time to deal with it. But as a statement, I'll say this statement first. I heard Brother Copeland say it years ago. 
he said to, in praying, he asked the Lord what was one of the biggest things that was holding the church back and the body of Christ back from doing what they were called because he was seeing some, th- some things not progressing. And uh, he said, the Lord said this to him. I wrote it down when I heard him say it. He said, you're talking about the body of Christ, the church, your dogged determination to correct each other. Your dogged determination to correct one another, to correct each other. And what that is, is judging. I said it's judging. And we're commanded not to do it. And we got these self-appointed doctrine police. And they feel like they have a right to critique and correct other people. Did you hear me? And they are not the head of the church. And they don't know a fraction of what they think they know. There's nobody in the earth that's set up to police the other church's doctrine. (laughs) Hallelujah. Do we love everybody? What group is it in the earth that has all revelation? I'm going to tell you something. You may need to think about it now. Nobody you know. Including yourself. Your favorite preachers. Your pastors. Nobody you know or have heard in this earth. Is right about everything. That they have said. Nobody you know. Somebody says I don't know. Now brother so and so. He's my favorite. Nobody you know. That you've sat under. That you've heard. That you've listened to. Is right about everything. That they've said and thought and done. Paul. A man caught up to the third heaven. A man who saw Jesus personally. Who got all this revelation. What did he say? We know. In part. What does that mean? Well they don't know our part. Well whoop de doo. You don't know their part. (laughs) We got this part. And it's wonderful. And it's wonderful. And they don't know our part. There's other parts. There's other parts. They got parts you don't have. You know what would be wonderful though? (laughs) What would be wonderful? If they brought their part. We brought our part. They brought. Oh how enriched we would be. How quickly we would advance. Oh glory to God. Instead of hugging over in the corner with our part and going, ooh, our part, ooh, ooh, you don't have our part, ooh, you should come over here and just get our part. Hallelujah. Are you in Philippians? Somebody say, I can have more than one friend. Is it true? Huh? Can you have Presbyterian friends and Catholic friends and Lutheran friends and Pentecostal friends and Baptist friends? Huh? Really? Really? I don't mean you just waved across the street. I mean, you're real friends. You have good fellowship. You love each other. You share revelation. I assure you, when we get to heaven, there will be no Baptist town. 
Word and faith community. Lutheranville. Huh? There will not be any such separation or identification. Absolutely not. Nope. 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 We said, yeah, I know it. That's why we don't partake of any of that. We're the independents. <laughs> yeah, I know. There won't be an independent bill either. <laughs> Glory to God. I don't know if you're ready for the rest of this right now. This is, this is a bit strong and you're already getting a little quiet. Uh, <laughs> go to Ephesians first. Let me. Let me see. Now, you're saying all, but you don't know. Go, go to Ephesians. <laughs> we'll see how well you do on this and how quick we get to that. So. I heard another older minister one time say this. I thought it was an excellent illustration. He used the scripture from Ecclesiastes. He said, where the tree falls, that's where it lays. Selah. <laughs> People think, ah, what does that mean? It means more than you might think. If it's in the Bible, it means something, right? Where the tree. And he went on to describe how that, uh, you know, uh, those of us that came up under Brother Hagin, you hear him all the time talking about side journeys, side journeys, side journeys. And I saw that principle when this man talked about this. He said so many times, he said, he talked about a man felling a tree out in the woods. He said, a uh, 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 What's the word? Yeah, it's another word for that. But lumberjack, he knows that you can't just cut the tree out in the woods with all the growth. If there's trees all around it, it'll just move a little bit and it won't come down. Or, you know, somebody gets a new power stall out in the neighborhood and don't know what they're doing. They go to cut and next thing they know, they done throw it in somebody's car or house. A man who knows timber knows how to throw the tree, lay the tree where he wants the tree to fall. And then wherever the tree lays, falls, that's where it lays. That's where it is. You can't think after the car's crushed. Man, I wish that in the it that way. Well, that's where it's laying right now. <laughs> and the car is crushed. So too late for that. A wise man thinks about that before he starts up a saw and has a plan. And people who understand these things, they know again and again, you can't just go to the big tree. You got to go cut down these little trees around it. And that's what this preacher said. He said, I'm cutting down these little trees. I'm getting us a place here where when we get ready, we can cut this big tree. And then when it falls, we're going to lay it right in your heart where it's supposed to be. And when it falls and it lays, it stays. And you'll have this truth in you 50 years from now. Isn't that good? That's experience talking from this man. So we have to cut down the little trees and get place ready to lay the big one. <laughs> so when you hear that crack, 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 you think, whoa, whoa, here comes a big one. Here comes. Where is it going to fall? In the right place. Amen. Ephesians 4. Do you have the love of God in your hearts? Yes. Is it stirring up towards your brothers yes. and your sisters? How about all the ones, two billion? And that's not counting the ones that's already in heaven. Do you love them? 
Even though you've not seen them. Do you care about them? Do they matter? Yes. Are they as important to God as you are? Absolutely. Their churches, their ministries. Yes. And you can love them right now. Even though you've not seen them. And it'll prepare your heart because I'm telling you, I see it in the spirit. I know in my heart, God, I see connections. Hallelujah. That God has planned for people and ministers and ministries in this room and in this by internet. But you've got to be open. I said you've got to be open. You've got to, willing, you've got to be willing to go outside your little circle. Huh? You've got to be willing to accept an invitation that you used to wouldn't have accepted. You say, why would I go there? How about the Lord leading you? I don't know if they even believe in offerings. You don't have to know that. That's not your business. God will take care of you. I don't know if they'll do this or that. Or maybe they won't receive my message. If the Lord leads you to go there, he knows. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you'll be open, you're going to meet some people that's going to turn out to be some of the best friends you ever had. Hmm? They're going to show you some things about God you never saw before. They're going to show you something about faithfulness. You talk about faithful friends and good friends. You just thought you had some in some places. Some of these people you think are your friends. I'm telling you, it's just it's because it's a benefit to them. And when the benefit's not there, you'll find out. But God knows. God knows how to make connections. And he's got some plan for you. I see it. I see it. I see it. And then... Glory to God. Then he's going to advance you and he's going to advance them. Y'all are going to increase together. And then he's going to give you projects to do together. That you're going to pull your faith and your partners and your people and your money. One of you couldn't do it alone. But two or three of you getting together or four or five of you getting together can do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I know uh, I, we were able to travel with the Hagens uh, for some length of time. And uh, he had an older truck that he just kept driving and it just kept getting older and older. Well, I wanted to see him with something new and nice. And I'd bring it up once in a while. And he'd say, oh, this one's good enough. Just good enough. And well, don't say nothing else about it. And... Uh, of course, I didn't have the money to buy him a new one anyway, but it was on my heart. And a year or two went by, another year, and five years went by. And one day, it just worked out. God did it. We were at a place, and we were having a meeting, and there were several of us ministers that, well, not several, how many? Three. Three of us ministers that had come up under Brother Hagen were having a meal, and there was an opportunity, and I saw it. And I brought up the truck thing again. I said, well, Dad, you man, I got these new nice ones out. He, he said, I, I don't know. And the other two guys. Yeah, one of these brothers had one of these. Nice, brand nice new trucks, SUV. And, and he said, uh, uh, and, Dad, and I could see Brother Hagen, we call him Dad. He was enjoying that. I see it was nice. And I said, Dad, you know, man, you could get a truck like that. He said, oh, the one I got. And the other two guys, he called us boys, you know, and we were. The other two boys uh, jumped in with me. They said, yeah, Dad, won't you get one? 
He said, well, I don't know. And then I said, I also part of it. Other guy said, I also part of it. Other guy said, I, we didn't have it. But the three of us together could do it. Then, right then, glory to God. And I mean, for the day was over, it was done. And it was a nice one. It was a new one. Hallelujah. And we see that kind of thing. I mean, you know, uh, we, we've talked about the church here. We're just four years old. But God has let us do some projects already. And do some of these things that have come up. I mean, we sold that aircraft into that other ministry. Bought it. Equipped it. Paid for it. Sold it. I couldn't have done that myself. You couldn't have done that yourself. But all of us together could. This boat deal came up. I didn't have that money in my back pocket. You didn't have it. But us together. Well, what if you could put ten churches like this together? Or a hundred? Oh, come on. Or a thigh. What could we do? What can we do? That's exactly right. The gates of hell can't stop it. Can't prevent it. When the devil thinks about us getting together, I'm telling you, when he thinks about what we can do with our combined faith, want to put a thousand to flight. Two would put 2,000 to flight. Something happens. Something happens. There's a multiplication of force and effect when we join together. Glory to God. I don't believe I'm just a preaching here tonight. I believe God's doing this thing. I believe not just in our little corner or... In the States or North America, God is doing this thing. Time is short. He's got things that have to be done. And no one or two or three of us going to get it done. But us coming together, no, the devils in hell can't stop us. All the unbelieving people and the government. You know, the government, this. Enough people rise up. There ain't no government can stand before it. Well, they won't let us. Well, let's half of us sow $100 and buy it. By the continent. We have a thought right. (laughs) I know a few years ago we were riding through a place and some friends of ours were riding in the car in this little bitty town riding through it. And the lady spoke up. She said, why don't we buy this little town and fix it up? (laughs) I laughed. I thought, glory to God. Yeah. Why don't we buy this little town? See, Christians don't think that way. Not at all. They think. You think it's God's will for me to have a house? How pitiful we've been. You think it's God's will for us to get out of this little cardboard box and, and have a real church? And, but together. I said together. 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 Ephesians 4. 2. With all lowliness. And meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. What does forbearing mean? How about long suffering? Huh? How about meekness and lowness? What is it? That's sure not high and mighty coming in, looking down. How can I express this, Lord? You got to come into people's life and not judge them. Huh? Shout about what they're shouting about. Right? Love them. Fellowship with them. 
You know, a lot of people today don't show hospitality like they should. You know why? Because they're fakes and phonies. And they come in with their clothes that they got by maxing their credit cards out and their fake stuff. And they try to act like they're at a place that they're not. And they wouldn't dare take anybody home with them because then they'll find out how they really live and where they live. So they don't show any hospitality. I mean, I remember my grandparents living in a, not a three bedroom, three room house, no bathroom. And uh, 20 of the relatives would show up and they'd say, y'all spend the night. Where? That never crossed their mind. Y'all, yeah, y'all just stay the night. Y'all come on in and eat. Hmm? My granddad say, such as it is, you welcome to it. Peas and pawn, eat it or leave it alone. (laughs) But generous with what they had. Is that more important than what you have? The being generous is more important than what you have. Isn't it? And the thing is, they'd stay. (laughs) And you'd sleep nine people on the floor with a pallet. And the kids would be in the bed three this way and four this way. One across the end. I know what I'm talking about. And just had some times too. Just fellowship. Right? Cut up. Have fun. I, uh, no, when we first came to Rama, I'll never forget it. We were away from home, didn't know anybody. We're, the way we got welcomed was the motorcycle gang that lived down the street from us siphoned all the gas out of my pickup. <laughs> that was our welcome to the town. <laughs> and we came in, didn't know anybody, felt so alone and so separated. And some people from across the hall were believers. And they, they introduced themselves to us. Both of us lived in little bitty cracker boxes. I mean, and with somebody else's furniture that they had worn out years ago. And they said, uh, hi, you know, our name is such and such. And they said, uh, we got some beans. You want some? We thought, man, beans sound good. Yeah. And we came across and sit down and ate beans. I remember it to this day. To this day. When you come into somebody else's life, don't judge. Are you with me? Don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge what they do, how they do, why they do it, their ways, their customs, why they don't have this, why they do. Don't judge. Love them. Love them. Find the good. Talk about the good. Rejoice in it with them. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on now. People talk about, well, I guess it's just my gift of discernment. I just see so much wrong. And I guess it's my prophetic call. But I have to point it out. (laughs) They have that in the world. It's called fault finding. And judging. There ain't nothing godly or spiritual about it. Amen. No. What do you tell you what's spiritual? To have all these glaring faults and shortcomings and problems in front of you. But by faith you can look through them and see what God sees. Oh, come on now. And by faith, somebody says, well, they need this and they need that. Well, you need some stuff too. <laughs> they need to see this and that. Well, you need to see some things too. 
Listen to this. The Lord gave me this one time. I wrote it down. It's not what you know. It's not what you see. It's not what they need. It's what will they receive. And only the Lord knows that. Well, I just see it. It's glaring to me. Well, that don't mean they'll receive it. It don't mean they're where they can receive it. Did you know the Lord could take you, you, put you up on this platform here tonight, put his eyes on you, and compare you to Jesus, and show you every area where you came short, and where you were ignorant. And wrong. And failed. And show it all to you at once. You know what you'd do? <laughs> you would faint and fall out. You'd go, God, oh God. Put me out of my misery. Just <laughs> make it go away. Make it stop. <laughs> he knows it. He sees it. But he doesn't do that. You know what he does? Know what he does? He'll show you something and you go, wow, I need to make some changes. And he go, yeah, yeah. And you work on it and you get and you go, man, I got it. I got it. I guess I about got it. Now he, he'll go, that's good. That's good. That's... Now there is another little thing over here. <laughs> Let me tell you about this. And you go, there's something else? Yeah, yeah, there's something else. <laughs> And you're working, you think, well, I've got all three of these. I guess that's it, Lord. He's well, that's wonderful. It's good. No, there is something else. There's another thing. And he's not telling you there's 185,000 <laughs> other things. Because <laughs> your faith is not there to receive it. Well, if he is so gracious and kind and long-suffering with us, how should we be with each other? What if God has allowed you to grow beyond someone else in an area? What if he did? What if he did? And you do see some things that they don't see. What if it is to be so? It doesn't mean you pour it all on them in one fell swoop. And you require that they get it all done by dark. Unless you want that done to you. And if you do, it will be because if you judge, you will be judged. Not might be. You will be judged by the same measure. Now, wise people know this. (laughs) And so mercy Oh, yeah, wise people see a lot of stuff, and they don't say it. They just are gracious and say, Lord, now, I see that, but what do you want me to do with that? You want me to pray about that? You want me to share a thimble full of it with them? Okay, wait six months. All right, wait six months and give them half thimble. Hmm? Wisdom. And what would make you stop? To see how to do that instead of just blaring through. And I've heard preachers say, well, it's just my job to tell them the truth. I just tell them the truth. They can't handle it. That's their problem. I just give them the truth. No, your job is to speak the truth in love. 
love. I just lay it down. No. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Nope. Why would you make the effort to not just blurt it all out? Why would you bite your tongue? Why would you try to see the right time and the right way and if now or if ever? Why would you stop to see? Out of love. Love constrains you. Love controls you. Because see, so many times what's happening, people are trying to show other people their spirituality. Oh, I discern stuff. As soon as they see it, they blurt it all out. Why? Because it's the first thing they've got in six months. That's how you quit getting stuff too. But sit out loud. I got the love of God shed abroad in my heart. It controls me. It constrains me. It leads me. It guides me. I follow love. Hallelujah. That's what governs my decisions. When I do something and how I do it and the way I do it, tone of my voice. How many know you can talk about the same thing, but if you just change your tone, have a completely different response? Now, let me give you a piece of wisdom here that's just, I know it sounds too simple, but it can absolutely eliminate whole days of fussing and fighting among husbands and wives. Instead of saying, you need to do this, ask a question in a soft tone. Honey, did you notice this? What do you think about doing this? Let's try that out. <laughs> May be new to some folks, but let's, let's try it out. Are you ready? Honey, did you notice that? What do you think about doing this? Now, let's say you're on the receiving end. Do you prefer that or this? You need to stop that and do this. Or would you rather, honey, have you thought about this? Have you considered this? What do you think about doing this? Hmm? Let's try it over here. Honey, have you thought about this? Did you notice this? And then if they say, yeah, you go, well, I figured you did. I mean, you're a perceptive person, I know. But uh, have you thought about doing this? I'm telling you, night and day difference in response. Hallelujah. I didn't get this side over here. Quite good enough. <laughs> Said out loud, honey. Did you notice this? Have you thought about doing this? What do you think? <laughs> Glory to God. 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 God. Verse 15. I think I'm closing. He said, but what? 
speaking the truth in love may what? What's going to happen? Is, is that increase? Is that increase? Huh? Uh, friends, he's talking about the whole body growing up. He's talking about your church growing up, your ministry growing up. That includes numbers. That includes finances. That includes equipment and facilities. Growing up. Growing up from a baby to a full-blown, full-developed. How are you going to do it? Speaking the truth. Always, always. In love. It's not what you know. It's not what you see. It's not what they need. It's not what you know they need. What is it? What will they receive? And they'll receive a lot more. In love. Right? Won't they? Remember Proverbs says, The sweetness of the lips increases, There's our word, Increases learning. The what? Hmm? Y'all find that, put it up on the screen. The sweetness of the lips increases learning. Now, let's just stop right here. Is it true, pastors, ministers, that if we got sweeter, revelation would increase in our congregations? Yes. Is it true? Yes. Hallelujah. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the what? Not just the body of North America. The what? The whole body. Fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Makes what? Makes what? Makes increase, increase of the body unto the edifying or the building up of itself in love. Let me read this to you from another translation. The New Living says, under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. What's your job? Your job is not just to see to yourself. Hmm? What's our job? Help the other parts grow. Wouldn't that be seeking first the kingdom of God and His right? Help the other parts grow. Hmm? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. The enemy will try to tell you, oh, now, if you do that, that's going to hurt yours. Hmm? If you do that, that will affect yours. We're coming up on our week of increase. This is our one of our big offerings of the year. And right before this, the Lord deals with us about a piece of equipment for another ministry. And all of us jump into our God accounts. What will the enemy tell you? That could affect yours. 
Now, I know people don't like to think about it. They don't like to say that kind of stuff out loud. But, friend, this stuff is going on. This stuff, that could affect yours. That could affect yours. Yeah, it could affect yours when you sow half a million dollars. It could affect yours in a giant harvest. But it takes faith to think that way. Because, see, the devil will tell you and your head will tell you, well, the people have given and given to that, you know, then what are they going to do on this? That's not my job. Hmm? And the church is not my source. This meeting certainly is not our source. You're not our source. I'm not your source. Now, we all know the right thing to say, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this kind of thing is governing people's decisions. It doesn't always come out, but it is why people decided to do this instead of this and go here instead of there. It's happening all the time. People are being led by money or what they think will affect their money. It's happening all the time. Or they're being led by fear. Well, I can't. I, I, uh, I've heard people say. I'm not having them in. You know, I've heard how people give to them. And and I'm not calling any names now, but this was 20 years ago. But a very prominent minister had supported and encouraged another one get started and help in advance. I mean, really encouraged them, did some things, used their influence to help them. But then in a few years, they got big. And were as big or bigger than them. And they attacked them. Attacked them publicly. Denounced their doctrine. Called them some names. Now this is not supposition. This is a matter of public record. These things were televised. Some of them. And uh, this brother called this other brother. And he said. Man. I thought you were my friend. It hurt him. I mean, it hurt him. It cut him. I thought you were my friend. This is what this guy says. He says, well, you know, we're all competing for that same Christian dollar. That's ungodly. I said, that is ungodly. And that's about as far from seeking the kingdom as you can get, you're seeking your own kingdom. And I know you gasp at that and you think that's bad, but I'm telling you, check your own house. Check your own church. Check, don't think about check at home. Are you letting fear of somebody getting some of your people, some of your support, some, are you letting that affect your decisions? As to who you have in and who you go with and, and who you're around. If you're led by fear, you are not led by the Spirit. Are you with me? Yes. I've called my accounting staff before. And you know, the, you don't know all the details. But man, there's been more than one time when we just cleaned the accounts out. Man, I mean, we sowed and sowed. And then I tell them, I say, now listen. Just because we've done this, that does not affect this. Amen. God's our source. Yes, sir. Huh? Yes, sir. 
Just because we do this, it doesn't mean it's going to hinder us. Are we going to come short in any way? When you sow, when you sow, you don't come up with less. Right? When you help somebody else's dream come true. Do we believe this or not? Huh? When you help, what is our part? We are joined and fitted together with other parts. And I'm telling you, we're just in the beginning of some of these things. God has got some body parts you're about to meet. You're about to get introduced to some of them. I've already seen it in my spirit. And some of them, they're from different backgrounds. They're from different walks. You're going to be so enriched. In just a few years, you're going to be a different person. You're going to have a broader, instead of a little fishbowl, you're going to have a world vision. You're going to begin to think more like God. Oh, come on now. You're going to realize there's a lot more to the body of Christ than your little, your, what you've known. And what is your purpose in life? Come on, you're a body part in the body of Christ. What do you do? What did it say? I lost my place. I got so excited. I... What did I do with my notes? I think I'm done is what it is. There it is right in front of me. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all already had it. You know, put that up, guys. Ephesians 4.16 in the uh, New Living. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. He's put every one of us in the body as it has pleased him. As each part does its work, what does that affect? It helps the other parts to grow. Are we talking about increase? Yes. What is your increase tied to? Your increase is tied to my increase. My increase is tied to yours. Right? If I really want to advance and increase, I need to get busy helping you to grow. Hmm? Have most people believed this and lived like this? And I, no, no. People, their family, their church, their ministry, their group. And everybody's hollering about, will you come support us? Will you help us? Hmm? <laughs> I see things and I wonder if I should say them or not. <laughs> so many people that, as far as being a part of something, what they want to know is, will you help us? If we join you, will you support us? I've had preachers ask me, what are you going to do for us? What are you going to do for us? That is how you stay little. In your mind, in your life, in your church is how you stay little. Always thinking about, and, and, and these people are bitter. They're bitter because they won't support me. Where's all the people that I've helped? Why aren't they supporting me? Then apparently you didn't really give it to them. You're trying to trade. You did something, but you want something back. If you really gave it, you're asking for nothing in return. You expect nothing. It's free gift. They don't ever have to say thank you. I mean, you gave it. You sold it. Hmm? Well, I, I helped them get started. I made them. Oh, oh, oh. I actually heard of another minister telling one of this, I made you and I can break you. 
You wonderful man like that's even saved. I'm serious. <laughs> I wish it wasn't so. But people are selfish. And they seek their own. And what they want to know is, are you going to help us? Are you going to support us? Are you going to do for us? Is it going to take away from us? You know it's true. Pastors in towns and cities all over, they're hiding their corners, afraid that some of their people is going to go over to this church and might like it. Or afraid that somebody might put some money in an offering in that church and not put it in theirs. Afraid. This is ungodly. I said this is ungodly. And it's not for us to judge anybody but right here. Right? Us. Us. Can you and I get our eyes off ourselves and get up in the morning every day and think, I got to help somebody to grow. I got to help somebody to increase. That's why I am on the planet. That's why I am here. Right? Didn't he say, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of the Christ? This is, what does it mean to be a Christian? To be like the Christ. Can you say amen? Let's finish reading this. Put it up. I'm trying to close. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. I want you to say that out loud. It helps the other parts grow. Say it again. It helps the other parts grow. Once again, it helps the other part. It what? It who? Every body part. Are you a body part? Then you're the it he's talking about right here. Say it out loud. I help the other parts grow. My church. My ministry. I help. We help. Other parts. Other parts. We help other parts grow. Glory to God. Glory to God. Stand on your feet, please. Thank you, Master. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.